Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Welcome back, everybody. I am so excited to jump on into today's episode, and it was one that I could not wait to record after I hit stop on recording podcast seven. So if you have not caught that podcast yet, episode seven is all about where I share how ultimately asking for support led to my resignation from the classroom, led to teacher burnout. And I was really excited to share that story. I was beyond nervous to share that story. And but I'm really I'm really passionate about sharing my story and living into my authentic self. And I think as educators, that is the superpower that we hold. It's not anything that we can find in a book. It's not anything that we can find outside of ourselves. The best power that I have as an educator today are the my experiences in my past and my mindset as to who I am and how I can use that to connect with not only the students I work with on any given day, but also the amazing educators that I get to either work with, that I get to teach to, that I get to coach or consult with. And that is where this episode is heading right on into podcast episode eight is all about how I overcame the teacher burnout. So last episode I share, I burnt out. I couldn't do it anymore. I was so sick and tired of living in between the panic attacks. When's the next one coming? What's going to cause this one? Am I going to be able to drive home? Or am I going to need someone to drive me home? That is how, that's how intense these, these um, panic attacks became. And they were, they were truly, I was, I was overcome with fear and panic. And I am, I am excited. I am ready to share that I, I did overcome them. I, you know, I have learned strategies that I'm going to share in today's episode. And I think it's really important that I share this message because I know I am not alone. I have followers every single day reach out to me saying, I have them too. What can I do? And this is, again, this is what works for me. This is by no way, you know, in any shape or form meant to be anything outside of anything other than me sharing what works for me. And I think it's really important that anyone listening, you know, you do you. That's that's a huge phrase nowadays, but it's it's so true in that, you know, I think there's so much value into hearing other people's experiences, into hearing what has worked for other people, but there's even more value and asking yourself, what's going to work for me? What does work for me? Is it a course? Is it therapy? Is it medication? You guys, we are all unique. So we need to, in my opinion, stop trying to be like everyone else and live into the person that we deserve to be, that we are worthy of being every single day as we are right here, right now. So without further ado, let's jump on in. So I was the, t- the statistic. Why is that word so hard to say? But so within the special education realm, there is a t- statistic that teacher burnout happens within five years. And that was me. And I let that statistic define me for way too long. Long after I had secured another job, guys, long after I had secured two jobs and three jobs, but I couldn't help let go of the feeling that I had failed. How could I have done that to my students, to my team, to my family, to myself? 
As I mentioned, I was lucky to have found another job shortly after leaving the classroom. I was hired as a behavior specialist for a local residential program where the students lived on site. So they they lived there and they attended the day treatment school program. So, whoa, here's, I thought five-year-olds were tough. Holy smokes. Now I was working with 15 to 20-year-olds way bigger than me, way tougher than me, and so not interested in anything I had to say, at least when I was hired. Guys, that first week I was there, I was punched right in the face. (laughs) Right hook, right to my cheek, and whoa, I can remember thinking to myself right then and there, which direction are we going this time, Lindsay? Are we leaving? Are we sticking with it? Where are we headed? And I don't think anyone would have questioned if I had left, but I decided, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to see where this leads. So I chose to stick with it and I still didn't know what I was doing. I still didn't know who I was as an educator, but something inside me said to stay. And yeah, I I know this can sound a little strange coming from a BCBA, someone who lives and breathes data but I'm strong enough now to admit it that yes, I've learned to trust my gut because my gut is mine. It's the experience and the knowledge that have shaped me into who I am today. So why wouldn't I trust it? So I stayed. For one year, I stayed and I worked around the clock hours. I kept showing up. We, as a team, we kept trying interventions until ultimately the regulations and the hours caught up with me. I was working all day. And when I say all day, it was sometimes morning to midnight because remember it was residential. So behavior never ended. The students were either at school, they might've been at home, behavior happened, training needed to happen, incidents happened. And so whether it was in the school or the home, I was called, I I reported, I was there. But it was also during this job that I learned the importance of teamwork. As staff, we were solid when we worked together. When we didn't, that's when things often turned unsafe. And this involved a level of trust, trust in my colleagues and my colleagues also having trust in me. See, I've said it before and I will continue to say it, I can't change anyone else's behavior except for my own. And so when I was working with a team, I focused on me. I focused on training, but I trained through a lens of if I model, if they can see me do what I want them to do, what I'm expecting them to do, then they're going to learn it in a more authentic way. And so I did that. I live, breathe, (laughs) you name it. I did it to try and show not only the staff, but the staff and students how how these strategies were effective, how these strategies worked. At the end of the day, I can only control me. Sure, I can manipulate the environment. Sure, I can manipulate antecedents and consequences and you name it. But at the end of the day, I cannot force another human being to take action if they themselves are not willing to take the action. So I focused on within. So I'm at this this job and I'm ready to go. However, I still was struggling with, you know, certain regulations, certain the hours for sure. Um, but you know, there were these benefits, and you know, one student that whenever I whenever I think of this job, we had one student who who always comes to mind, and I'd love to share that story with you right now. And so this student was really challenged with regulation, meaning regulating herself and her emotions. She was a student that where we would say her baseline was was heightened at all times, is what it seemed. So if I took myself on a heightened day, that that was her every day. 
And the only way she knew to regulate herself when she became, you know, super heightened, you know, even more elevated was to disrobe. She shirt came off, pants came off, everything came off. And, you know, let me also mention that she was three times my size. She was nonverbal and she was about 15 years old. So dignity became our utmost importance. We And we had that, you know, by doing mats, we had systems in place, we had blankets, but we also had to realize that her main goals for the day were not going to be academic. And we did that by bringing in high interest items. She had access to them non-contingently because that was what kept her motivated by her preferences. We also did that by staying with her. Of course, we gave her time and space, but we were there and we were there on a therapeutic level, listening to her vocalizations, looking at where she was pointing, where her eye gaze went. Though that was that was the crucial way that we were going to gain information because she wasn't able to tell us verbally. We also did it by using visuals to communicate with her. One of, one of her favorite things was singing. So you better believe we spent many hours, too many to count even, singing in the hallways of the school, walking and skipping and singing together. So and, and here's the piece with that is is that non-contingent part. Sure, I could have had her work for singing. Sure, I could have had her work for her items. But at the end of the day, remember, she was always elevated. She was always heightened. So if I put any demand, living was a demand for this child. Living was so hard for her. Just staying at a level where she could at least interact it, it, that that was the most important for me. So of course, I'm going to give non-contingent access because I need her to regulate. I need her to learn this regulation before I can even think about adding demands. And I think that's so important as educators for us to remember that, that what I see as a demand might be different than what a student views as a demand. And sometimes just living, living every single day, getting dressed, going to the bathroom, just walking, those are all demands for some of our most difficult students. All right, so I then, so after I decided to leave the residential home, I spent the next four years working at a learning agency where I worked, it was a non-for-profit, and I worked my way from, I started out as a CIT, so a special education itinerant teacher. I worked one-on-one -on -one primarily with um, early intervention and three to five year, three to five students uh, with developmental disabilities um, in a one-on-one -on -one setting, again, providing those academic, um, academic content to them. And I ended up, when I left the agency four, four or five years later, I was the coordinator of an OPWDD program, which was pretty amazing. Um, it was my first true career in a leadership position, and I I absolutely loved it. Now, yes, there was there was hardship, there was frustration, but I loved learning this this leadership component. So something about me is I always just love learning. If you follow me on social media, you know I'm always learning, I'm always reading, I'm listening to podcasts, I'm trying to take in as much information as I can so that I can apply it to me. So it helps me to become, you know, the Lindsay that I want to live into every single day. Um, it was in this position that I really fell in love with organizational behavior management, OBM, uh, and I really loved learning what makes someone a leader and how to lead a group of staff effectively. And what I ultimately found is it wasn't that much different from working with students. And that's the beauty of behavior. Behavior is behavior. And so at the end of the day, when I know the only behavior I can change, it's almost it's like a weight gets lifted because you mean I just get to focus on me. I get to focus on my mindset. I get to focus on sharing things about me. And then I get to connect with students or staff. 
that's pretty amazing. It doesn't need to be about them. Keep it about you. In this, so in this, um, in this program, in this department, in this agency, I we ran after school programs. We ran after school teen programs, respite programs on the break weeks. We ran successful in-home behavior management and community hub programs for students with developmental disabilities. It was re- we were doing some amazing things in the community, which was awesome. And it was during this job that I really learned how to connect with staff and parents too. It was here that I really learned that I'm not working every day with a student. It's that I'm working with someone's baby. This is someone's child. And it was here that I actually became a parent myself when my daughter Kaylee was born. And after that, again, that parent connection grew stronger. I could see things through a different lens. Guys, never underestimate that you are working with someone's baby. At the end of the day, I know even on the toughest days, this helps to remind me what's really important in life. And that's love and hope that I can provide to any child any day. And that same goes for any staff and any parent. Anyone I'm interacting with, it's love and hope. Without love and hope, where do, where do we go from there? So those are my two foundational standards that I that I stand on every day. Because if I'm not teaching those, if I'm not providing those, I, I don't have anywhere else to go. And it took me a long time to get there. I think if you've listened to the last couple episodes, you know that is not the mindset I had as when I started teaching. It really took me all of these experiences to learn what is most important any given day. And for me, it's love and hope. So at this learning agency, this non-for-profit, it's where I got my dose of leadership and I was like moving full steam ahead. I'm so ready for this. And then it closed. All of a sudden, we, we walked in on, let me back up. So we knew it was probably going to close at the end of the summer. This was June. And we walked in on a Wednesday and we were told Friday would be our last day. So we spent the day making phone calls, through the tears, through the anger, you name it, we felt it. But we, as staff, we all stuck together and we got through it. When we walked in Thursday, we were told midday that we were closed effectively. We were closed at that moment and we were also told that we would not be getting paid for the last month of work that we had just did. Um, We essentially had gone bankrupt. And so I found myself... Um, needing to be strong for the staff around me, which was actually a pretty amazing feat reflecting back. Because remember, I was the girl that grew up without confidence. I was the girl that grew up wanting to be hidden and not seen. And here, I'm in a leadership role and I needed to be strong. I needed to be strong for myself, but I also needed to be strong for my staff. And I remember that Thursday, I told my staff, you can leave. If you need to leave, leave because we we are not mandated to be here. And I was so proud of every single one of my staff. They all said, not until the kids leave. We are here. Whether we're getting paid or not, we signed up to teach these kids. We It was also a daycare. And so they said, no, I signed up to keep this kid safe. That is what I'm going to do until the parent arrives. And we we worked together that day. And it's it's During one of the saddest times, it's also one of the proudest moments that I have in my in my education, you know, my education so far in my career so far. Um, So suddenly, though, this closed and I had already secured daycare for my daughter um, for the summer. So I, I had suddenly this experience of this whole summer in front of me. I had a summer off where I was like, you know what, I'm going to tackle who am I? I'm going to tackle who do I want to be? Who is, you know, this big question that I for years had just kept putting off. 
So I figured, all right, it's the time is now, let's do this. So I read the books, I watched the YouTube videos, I started following people on Instagram, I started journaling, I started doing things because I wanted to, not because I had to. That was pretty amazing. Um, and then the summer ended and I started a new job. And it was like I had just been on vacation for a couple of months. As soon as I started working again, I was back in work mode. I forgot all about who I had started to become. And, you know, I hear that phrase from a lot of teachers, from a lot of moms too, that I have forgotten who I was. And, and the deeper challenge for me is that I never really knew who I was to begin with. I was still holding on to this belief that I was a failure for leaving the classroom. And that year, specifically, while I worked as an in-home ABA supervisor, I, I really lost myself. Any sense of mo uh, momentum that I had started to gain, I it was gone. I didn't know who I was outside of work. I didn't know what I even enjoyed in anything. I didn't, I didn't know what I enjoyed anymore. And I finally said, enough is enough. I decided one day that I couldn't keep going down this path. And as I mentioned last episode, I decided to take ownership of my life. I, I took it back. I decided, you know what? I, I truly am the only one that can change my life. No one else can do it for me. I've spent years trying to find happiness, to find validation in everything I do, in every role I serve. And I finally said, you know what? The time is now. I've got to look within. This is the missing piece to this puzzle of, of who I am. And I'm going to dive and I'm going to dive on in. And I was ready to change the aspects of my life that I could control, which are, as we know, the effort and the attitude that we put into our actions every single day. So I'm going to share with you now how I did it. And I started with a morning routine. I, as simple as that, I created a morning routine. I had started following um you know, motivators like Rachel Hollis, Jenna Kutcher, Brendan Bouchard, I followed them and something in common that they all had was a morning routine. So I started with three minutes of gratitude. So I, I'm a huge, huge believer in small, simple and strategic steps, build your momentum forward every single day. So I started as simple as I knew, which was three minutes. So I set my alarm clock for three minutes earlier. When that alarm clock went off, I laid in my bed. I didn't even sit up. I laid in my bed and I named off for three minutes what I was grateful for. And then I changed nothing else. I went among my day doing what I was doing and, and it built from there. Three minutes of gratitude then turned into a gratitude journal. It then turned into goal setting. It then turned into reading and listening to personal development in the morning. And that morning routine two years later is still something I do today. It looks a little different, but it's something that it, it grounds me. And the whole purpose to a morning routine is the mindset of I've got to serve myself first before I can serve someone else. If you are listening to this, think about your mornings. Do you wake up and serve yourself or do you wake up and start the start making lunches, run out the door so you can get to work on time? Do you get everyone else breakfast, but you yourself forgot to eat breakfast? Do you rush into work and are, are totally feel scattered, right? When I started implementing this morning routine, my mornings are about me. I start off as me. And when I serve myself first, I then get to serve everyone else that I interact with on a daily basis. The next thing I did is I started to practice gratitude all day, every day. 
So I mentioned I started with three minutes of gratitude. And once I saw how amazing that transformation was, I said, I want more. So I read the book. It's called The Magic by Rhonda Byrne. And there are 27 gratitude practices within that book. And ultimately what I learned is that gratitude is a foundational belief for me now. It's a trust that I have because I know if I'm not grateful for something, I'm taking it for granted. So things as simple as when my feet hit the floor every morning when I get out of bed, I say thank you. I think I say thank you to this amazing day ahead and the magic that is coming my way because I know I get to control that magic. I get to control the effort and the attitude I put into the day. And to me, that starts with being thankful, being grateful for the opportunity to live into the day that's coming ahead of me. So things like rain that used to frustrate me so much. Rain now, if I'm driving, I'm grateful for the rain because it reminds me I need to slow down. It reminds me that I have extra time in the car because I'm slowing down to spend with Kaylee as we head on into work. Things like snow. I live in Western New York. You think I would be used to snow. I'm not. I don't like it. But I can have gratitude for it because I have. I can now be grateful that I have a heated house. I can be grateful that I have a safe car. I can be grateful that I have a garage. I can be grateful for the beauty of snow that when it falls and the light hits it, it is one of the most beautiful scenes I've ever seen. I can even be grateful for challenging kiddos and challenging staff that I work with because again, they remind me the importance of why I do what I do every single day. If there weren't challenging kids, I wouldn't get to share my passion every single day. I wouldn't get to remind myself every day that learning goes both ways. Sure, they learn from me, but I learn more from them. So I I don't practice gratitude just in the morning. I practice gratitude every single day, all day, every day. The third thing I did is I learned how to live into a growth mindset. And I started to really learn about the brain and how things really worked internally, biologically. I started to realize that anything, any skill can be learned. Writing task analysis, they became my best friend. If you're not familiar, task analysis is basically you take a skill, you take a global skill and you break it down into measurable steps. It's how you change behavior, small, simple, strategic steps at a time. And things like confidence, organization, productivity, I learned them. I learned that it's not you're born with it or you're not. I learned how to do them and I learned how to do them with ease in the most simplistic and most efficient and most predictable manner. Because guys, if you want long, sustained behavior change, those words have to be, they have to be players. Efficient, predictable, quick, easy, simple. If things are complex, we don't do it. We go to the easiest form. As humans, we we rely on the easiest form of the behavior. So if something's going to be harder, why am I going to do it? I might choose to do something harder because I see the value in it. That's where all these layers started to really intertwine. But at the end of the day, we have to be living into a growth mindset to know we can learn anything. We can achieve anything. And it has to do with the effort and the attitude that we bring to the situation. The fourth system that I learned is self-care and self-love. And I know those are huge buzzwords nowadays, but I learned how they worked for me. And that's, hopefully that's a theme that you are seeing through today's episode is that you've got to make the systems you have in place work for you. doesn't matter if they work for your neighbor. doesn't matter if they work for the colleague down the hall. If they don't work for you, why are you doing them? I, I learned to ask myself that question every day. Why do I do what I do? 
And if I don't have a good answer that I can that I can stand behind, that I can stand on, then I don't do it. Then I change it. And so for me, when I looked at self-care and self-love, I realized I was using self-care as a reaction, as a reactive intervention step to my own life. And it, what I learned is that it's not about being reactive. It's about being proactive. It's about using self-care to fill me up, literally fill me up so that I, the outpouring that can go to others. Instead, what was happening is things would be depleting me. I would get so frustrated by a situation at work that I would come home defeated and I'd go get my nails done. Yep, sounds, sounds cheesy, but I did it to try and fill me back up. But what ends up happening is you start to then get frustrated. You're like, why should I be here? You start resenting the situation. Now, instead, for me, it, it is getting my nails done is something I love. It's something that makes me feel more like me. So I do it routinely now. Because I know it's in my schedule. I know it's going to happen no matter what because I commit to what's on my schedule. So when I started looking at self-care as something I can do proactive to fill me up, just like that morning routine does every single morning, I started to do self-care every single day. It wasn't about the once a month that I used to think self-care was defined as. I get to do something for myself every single day. Those small, simple, strategic steps. I ask myself, do I even like what I'm doing? Why do I do what I do? And when I'm stuck, I go to my joy list. Yeah, I have a joy list right in my phone. It's simple as that. I basically keep bullets of things that bring me joy. So that when, I, when I'm not sure what to do in a day, when I've said, what do I feel like for self-care today? I go to that list. And on that list, it's my favorite songs. Hot cup of coffee. Calling a friend reading a book, listening to a podcast, all the things that bring me joy. And here's the beauty. I get to choose. I get to make the decision every single day what that self-care looks like. No one else gets to make it for me. So make the list and then use it. Because having the knowledge isn't enough. We actually have to take steps. We have to take action to apply the knowledge. All right, the last system that, that was a game changer for me was about learning about limiting beliefs and the stories that I was telling myself. And this was a game changer for me. I had to learn that the things holding me back in life were beliefs. They felt real to me because they were real. They had happened, but they weren't the truth. Remember, back to my failure as a teacher, that was part of a belief that I held onto from when I was younger. The belief being that if I can't figure something out, if I don't finish something all the way, then I'm not a good person, that I'm not worthy of love. So I had to learn to really unpack that statement. It's a pretty hefty statement. And I had to learn how to rewrite that belief into a truth statement. And that statement is now what I do or don't accomplish in a day has no bearing on who I am. I get to define who I am every single day with what I have, with who I am. Guys, beliefs can hold us back or they can launch us forward. Once I started to learn what beliefs were holding me back, I learned to rewrite them and that's how I'm able to redefine who I am every single day. And that's it. Those are the five steps I used and I still use to this day to take back my life, to live into my life, to love my life. And I am here to tell you that they work. I've taught them to multiple teachers through both my Mindset Shifting 101 course and my current mastermind course, Ignite Your Legacy. And the transformations are absolutely astounding. 
Teachers are truly transforming their teaching and creating their legacies, not by learning new curriculum, not by learning interventions, not by attending professional development or rereading the state standards. They're doing it by learning who they are as an educator from the inside out. See, we can't find out who we are out there. We can try. I did it for years. But ultimately, some challenge would come. Something would happen and I would fall back to my own ways, my old habits. But when I learned to look within, to define myself by who I am, not by what I do or the roles that I served, that's where the magic happened. And it's what I teach teachers how to do now. It's why my business is called Define University. Define who you are from within and create the life you want to live every single day. And the best part is I created a self-paced course teaching you how to implement these five steps in your own life. Mindset Shifting 101 is exactly as it sounds. It's your beginner course into taking the shift. What shift? The shift from defining yourself by the roles you serve and instead defining yourself by who you are from within. Not only do you receive video training from me, but you also get resources and handouts to help you implement these steps with ease. It's meant to be easy. Keep it simple. Keep it small. You add in some strategy and build the momentum you want to create the life you deserve. Are you ready to make the shift? Head on over to my website, www.defineuniversity.com for more information. And as we wrap up this episode, of course, I always want to thank you for listening. You guys know I love having you in my corner. I love having your ongoing support. It truly means the world to me. Talk about gratitude. I am beyond grateful for the support that I get every single day, sharing my story, sharing my passion. If you love this episode as much as I loved making it for you, please do me the biggest favor ever and hit subscribe, leave a review, share it on social media. I will absolutely be beyond grateful um, for those of you that are willing to do that for me. I absolutely love your ongoing support and it truly means the world to me that you, you head on over every week to catch this free content that I am sharing and some other ways that we can connect outside of the podcast Head on over to my website for that free email subscription. I send out weekly freebies every single week. In addition, come on over and join the Define University Facebook group where there is ongoing training, motivation, insights, you name it, it's there. Come come find us and come join. And then last but not least, you know, on Instagram, it's my favorite platform. Come find me at lindsay.titus828 and pay attention to my stories where Monday through Friday, I am sharing a morning message to get your day kicked off on the right foot, get that momentum building, and let's just do all the things. All right, so that's, that's it for amazing free content. Now, in addition to that, I already mentioned my courses, but I also wanted to mention real quick, In addition, I have two one-day workshops coming very soon. On March 12th, I will be in Providence, Rhode Island. And on March 13th, I will be in Manchester, New Hampshire. Both are full-day workshops where I am sharing tips and tricks and inspiration for working with your most difficult and challenging students. For more information or to register, please go to brianmendler.com and go to the Regional Seminars tab on that page. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I cannot wait to hear your thoughts about it, what's stuck with you, what you want more of, all the things. I am here for you. Until next week, have an amazing week ahead. And as always, we will talk soon.